Welcome back to another episode of Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, today, David and I, um, we experiment a little bit and sit down and have an Anamkara type conversation uh, as soul friends. We cover this idea of Anamkara in one of the uh, Celtic Christianity episodes. Um, so if you want to go back and hear a little bit about that. But we sort of set the stage and discuss that at the beginning and then just have a real open and honest conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. But before we get to that, thank you, Diego, at Recording Moving Studios for the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob Nedia at Monk Drums. Uh, you can check out his site at monkdrums.com. That sound in the background, those are those drums. Also, if you want to read some uh, more of David's ideas and musings and poetry, check out theruined.com. If you'd like to hear more episodes of Desert Rain Community Radio, drcrpod.com. And as always, please tell a friend if you're enjoying what you're hearing. Uh, reach out to us if you'd like to hear a specific topic for us to cover. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. And welcome to another ruined edition of Desert Rain Community Radio. We ruined it, I guess, already before we even started. <laughs> well, if we get it off, if we let them know at the beginning, uh, then they can't blame us once yes. they're halfway in. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm sleepy. I don't know why. Sleepy Just eyes. Those Saturday afternoons, I guess. Yeah the uh, the wind was howling last night for sure. Yeah. It was a it was a weird. Feels weird like spring. Evening. Did the did the door blow open in the dorm? Remember how I was doing that a couple of years when it yeah. became real windy? I don't think so. Yeah, I thought I heard it and I went out, like I went out to the kitchen and looked and hmm. it was fine. I didn't know if you guys had closed it though. So today's episode, we're kind of doing a, um, what would you call an experiment of sorts? Sure. Uh, on the On one of the Celtic Christianity episodes, uh, we kind of delved into the surface level of this idea of being a, um, on the word. Yeah, Anamkara. Anamkara. Yeah, soul friend. So maybe you could, uh, to lead us off, you could, we could revisit that a little bit and, and sort of the idea of this Anamkara soul friend um, relationship. Yeah, it was kind of the early early version of what became later as confession or reconciliation or of, of the sacrament in the in the Roman church um, but it was much more casual is mm. just two friends being vulnerable with each other um, and then probably in the modern period and by modern I mean 1600s probably 1500s <laughs> right the modern for modern yeah, for the church history right the advent of the spiritual director where you would meet with someone who would hopefully ask the right questions that you need to hear at that moment in your life. Hopefully they have the discernment. Uh, or maybe the conversation itself just gets infused by the Spirit and mm. and the, the right questions emerge. So that's kind of where it, where it flows from. And, and mm. it seems as though within the church context that's kind of disappeared in the the modern modern time. Yeah, it's either here in the, in the American culture it's we're so hyper individualized mm. and so it's just me, Jesus and my bible. Uh so I I don't really need community, I don't really need anything else, any relationships. I might go to church, I need church attendance. Right. But, but there's no, you know. But that's more of like a um uh, almost like a a high school or middle school checking the box yeah. that you're present. Fear of missing out yeah. kind of thing. And so you need, you know, authentic relationships that 
Um, you know, and they and they do have small groups built in churches, you know, and they and they usually use the word accountability, mm. which uh you know, and I and I adopted that language probably 30 years ago mm-hmm. and and then disadopted it, <laughs> dropped it because it sounds manipulative and uh well and in probably some instances it, too many at often, least in, yeah, in unhealthy churches. Too often it is. Yeah. yeah. It becomes uh, authoritarian, it becomes mm. uh manipulative, it becomes uh paternal, even uh patronizing and so so it's so it's that's that's where it's coming from though is you know this deep reflective soul talking um so that you can discern where you're at with your life uh where you're at with god um what is god doing in your life you know these are these are relevant questions people are asking these questions Mm -hmm. um even if they don't know they're asking these questions they're asking them you know well, I think even with the the sort of in the secular world, it's like what what's what's the meaning of life or what right. what's my meaning of life? Yeah, and I, I think at the root of those questions are spiritual. Even if you don't believe in God, right? There's some kind of spiritual philosophical yeah roots within those. Well, there's the pursuit of happiness in this mm-hmm. culture. What can I do to become a happy person? How can I achieve happiness? Or how can happiness f- somehow find me? And you know, and I would go back to Viktor Frankl, who survived the Holocaust. And you know, he said life is is it's not about pursuing the happiness or your dream. It's about finding meaning mm-hmm. in your life. And so that's what spiritual direction, soul friending. That's what that's about essentially. Well, it's really it's really funny that you bring that up. Last night there's a sort of controversial comedian his name's tim dylan and and i heard him on a podcast and it's weird because it was a podcast with the ai engineer and him sitting down having just a conversation about life with a with a robot no 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 it was a real man oh, oh his, okay. his background is mit <laughs> oh, ai okay, robotic sorry. engineering i stuff. thought it was an actual ai <laughs> program that he was having a conversation it, it might be this could be, yeah <laughs> watch watch in three or four years we find out this guy's actually a robot but he was talking about being raised and where him and I are similar age, but this idea of like pursue your happiness, your passion. Yeah. Right. You know, do what makes you happy. And, follow the, money, your and the money will follow. Right. How yeah, many yeah. email taglines have you seen that with? And he, he was yeah. talking about in a very hilarious way about how that's just terrible advice yeah. on a global scale. Like exactly. maybe as to an individual, if you know them and, and you really can connect with them. That might be good advice. Yeah. But to tell a whole generation of people that is no is obvious. That experiment has failed. So it's it is. And the older I get, the more I relate with that Viktor Frankl idea yeah. of, of creating that purpose in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And uh, in letting that ripple out through my entire life. Exactly. You know, and and I don't remember if it was you. Um, I know Greg, Greg Steele and I have talked about it, but, you know, when we have these different areas of our life, we have different masks that we put on and sort of, at least for me, striving to minimize how many different masks I'm, I'm wearing and being able to be more authentic with people. And that's part of the crisis is particularly in affluent cultures is that we confuse our role uh, are those masks that we wear, the roles that we have to play in life as our actual essential identity. Mm. And so when, when that, when we over identify with those things, that's when, when, uh, trouble comes. <laughs> right. Because that role can disappear. Right. Yeah. It can be taken away from you Yeah, or you'll defend that role and you'll, and you'll wound people in your life mm. along with yourself. And so, then you know. Then you end up in a situation where it's not just your vices that are dangerous to yourself and uh, those around you. Your virtues are dangerous. Mm. Yeah, we've, we've to people around you. We've yeah. talked about that here on, on yeah on the podcast about the virtues turning maybe not on you personally, but yeah. your relationships. Well, yeah, around you. and then you end up in the great self righteous dilemma, which is you're so full of your own self righteousness that. Uh, the only hope for you is for a moral failing. A serious moral yeah. failing is the only thing that could 
to be rescue to you be, out of that. Uh, be humbled. Yeah, and that's that's quite a that's a difficult place to be. And for some people, that humbling. Well, I I I, I don't know. But sometimes the humbling tears away tears away whatever foundation you've built for yourself. This imaginary foundation, right? Yeah, the scaffolding. Um, and you know, I've seen people commit suicide. Yeah, yeah. Over that, oh, yeah. You know, and they don't even get the opportunity to sort of bounce back yeah. into a more integrated life. I guess would be a good way to put it. Yeah, an integrated life. So the over the last I don't know seven eight years I, I feel like you and I have established a an Anamkara friend type friendship yeah. um, spiritual rapport yeah you've definitely been a, a spiritual mentor for me um, likewise throughout the years and so to sort of the experimental part of the of today's podcast is wanting to sit down with you and just sort of walk through a spiritual friendship kind of conversation between us, um, you know, and, and sort of the found, I, I know I asked you a couple of weeks ago now, I think it was, um, you know, it was, I, I've been reading a, a little pamphlet on uh, discernment from Pendle Hill, hmm. a Quaker publication. And, and one of the, I don't, I don't know if it was an exact question from the thing, or if it was just two questions that came to mind, sort of inspired from that. But you know, as as my as a spiritual friend, as a spiritual director, you know, asking you what what is one of my best um, or strong, not best, strongest uh, qualities to connect with others spiritually. Some some people might use um, the word ministry. Mm-hmm. What's my my strength when it comes to yeah? Uh, and the other question I had asked you was uh what what's maybe a blind spot or something um that that appears as a weakness yeah in that same realm of giftings and and uh you know spiritual ministry or whatever um and just just for the people listening to this we we haven't you never answered those questions right i proposed them to you a couple weeks ago and and uh this week we we just kind of talked about having this conversation yeah with mics in front of our faces. And so, um, so I don't know if you want to start there or if you want to sort of build, build up to that, but, um, yeah, because yeah. I didn't, when you asked it a few weeks ago, I didn't really work on those questions in my mind. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like as the, as the conversation becomes infused by mm-hmm. the spirit, if you will, uh, perhaps the, it'll yeah. come to light and, and in best case scenario, you'll be the one that answers it. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so I would, yeah, I would just start off with maybe some general questions and, and see where we see where it, it leads us to or something like that. Perfect. So, so a general question that I would ask someone in a, in a soul friend, if you will, reflective conversation would be, uh, uh, is there a, can you identify maybe one or two symbols or metaphors that would describe your relationship with God right now, or True. or over a lifetime as well. Right. But and I am going to try to look at it from probably the last year or two sort of uh, perspective because one of the things that I'm I'm aware of with my my gift or not my gift my life my relationship with with God and with walking a spiritual path is it's it's constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. Um so two you said symbols or metaphors. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So one of the ones at least in the last 4 or 5 months I've been reminded of this importance of sitting in silence. And so I guess for me that that's um the listening aspect of that relationship with with God, um, just trying to be present, open-hearted, mm. and um, open-minded to what might be there. Um, I 
And I guess a continued one. And so this one maybe is more of a, a longer term four or five year type, or probably even longer than that, but just this idea of community, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, which I guess was sort of magnified through 2020 um, with everything involving the pandemic. And having face-to-face conversations sort of narrow down pretty dramatically, pretty drastically. And I'm not saying it's unique in my life. It's yeah. It's appeared to happen to a lot of people because of the pandemic and being safe of of um catching the virus or spreading the virus or however however it might be. So yeah, so I guess I guess listening with an open heart and an open mind, um, and then community. Uh, and just really, truly the importance of community would be sort of the two things that kind of come to mind from that hmm. that question. And, well, and what does community mean? I don't, I guess that's one of the things that 2020 is sort of, uh, it's sort of been an upheaval. I'm not, right. I'm not sure. Um Connectedness for sure, but but that idea of connectedness is, has drastically shifted in all areas of our life, right? And and yeah. so embracing, so so like one thing that you know we've done as a as Desert Rain communities, meeting via Zoom, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's the Sunday um, Sunday morning meeting or uh, the chaplaincy group that we had started uh, a year and a half ago, and just watching the evolution of not meeting in person, right. but still being able to have conversation, uh, connectedness, um, and under, you know, when, when the few times people are able to get together, it's outside small groups, but there's still that bond. And I don't know if that, it, it it's interesting because the bonds can be created over time, but sometimes bonds are created instantly with people. Oh, yeah. You know, and so just this this idea of of what what is it that bonds us together? I don't know if that really answers your question. Yeah, so when, so give an example of the last time or recent time when you felt bonded with another and what did that look like? A recent time where I felt bonded. So, so I guess I guess one of the things, one of the new traditions that has sort of bubbled up between uh, you, me, and Marsha have been like this Saturday night. We've been we've been having dinner every Saturday night together. Yeah, and so in our COVID bubble, right. And so sort of having, because, okay, so here, yeah, so here. So the joke you and I have made recently is about how every day pretty much looks the same. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right, because no one's <laughs> driving into work or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you're, you know, some of the hospice stuff you've done has been via, via phone. Yeah. And, um, so I guess for me, sort of breaking up the monotony of the week in the sense that sort of looking forward to those Saturday night meals uh, where you, I, you, me, and Marsha all sit down and and share some time together, um, break bread. Sometimes we have serious conversations. Sometimes we have yeah, goofy, silly, silly. conversations. Um, but just sort of knowing that that two, two hours or so, and I don't um, – And so through that, sort of having that to look forward to each week, um, I feel his his um, I don't want to say strengthen the bond, but it's just like the weekly reminder of that connection, hmm. you know, that we've been in in a bubble together for for ten or eleven months. Yeah. Um, and we still set aside that time to to come together as sort of a, 
a trio or a, a family, if you will. Yeah. The COVID bubble. <laughs> so yeah, so that that bonding. And it just sort of happened spontaneously. Yeah. It's not like we're like, oh, we need to think of something we can <laughs> yeah. we can spend time together. And that's you know, and that's such a gift because I think for most people the the metaphor or the symbol for family or community would be the table mm-hmm. the where you eat the kitchen table the dining room table um uh, yeah and so and and so you know one of the things where maybe I don't feel as bonded or that's not even the right word cuz I still do feel bonded but just like the missing of thanksgiving yeah with my family right. this past year christmas and- um well for me specifically thanksgiving cuz I I as an adult, that's always been my favorite. Mm. Um, I, I I did miss Christmas in the the sense I didn't spend it. Right. You know, I saw my family, but I didn't like spend it with them in the same way. But but really, truly, Thanksgiving was just like a like that was the first, well, not the first, but the big like missing out during twenty twenty. Yeah. Because um, for some reason that that particular meal, and I think it has to do with the food, like. Yeah, having yeah, those meals eating with, together. Yeah, it's universal, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's the Eucharist table. Yeah, which makes that that Passover dinner yeah. that Christ had with his disciples. That's why I think it's so powerful. Yeah, exactly. So important. So, so would you say with your life right now? Would you say? Is one of the questions you're asking, uh, what's next for me? Are you asking that question right now, or is that not a relevant question? I I believe so, but the beauty of right now, so any other time I've asked that question, I've seemed to act hastily. Mm. So it's like, okay, what's what's next? You're like, I'm done with yeah. this thing. What's next? And sort of jumped to the, whatever the next, the, it's usually the first thing that presents itself. Mm. That's sort of been my historical. Um, well, what's the last big uh, hasty step you've taken with your life that had, you know, big implications? So probably, so I, I guess it would be interconnect. There's two that come to mind. But one of them was the second one wasn't as hasty as the first. So the the one was I got a job several or I got a job offer several years ago from uh, NFL Films, mm. and um, I'd been li- doing Mission House for a year, and that that kind of seemed to have plateaued at the time, and was just kind of looking around what was next, and and uh, got this job offer, and and I don't even know within a two or three weeks, maybe even less, had a job offer and a plan to move to Philadelphia um, rather quickly. And, and, you know, I was kind of seeing this girl and I didn't really talk to her before I made the decision. I just sort of made the decision on my own and then said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And I'd already talked to the people with Mission House that it seemed as though a second year wasn't going to occur. And then I moved to Philadelphia. And then, so I was there for three years. And then at the end of that, um, was planning to leave my job in November, but had something had come up in the spring and where I was living, they had, um, they needed to do some work on the house, on the condo we were living in. And so asked if I could move out in July. And so, um, I'd already had this idea of leaving the particular job I was at and traveling for a while. But it kind of got fast forward because of um, the living situation. Mm. And so then I left left the job um, and went to Europe for three and a half months. And so I guess those were the two things, the two examples of recent history. No, and, and that's an example of someone... Because I, I haven't met too many people. I've met a lot of people in my life, right. but I've met very few people that actually followed the email tagline: uh, "Follow your passion, do your 
do your passion and the money will follow. But you're one of those people that you actually, it actually got fulfilled for you, right? This was um, a childhood dream. So yes, definitely working for NFL. Well, not even NFL films specifically, but just the NFL overall. Yeah, being involved with that. Yeah, I was, you know, I can, some of my earliest memories is getting the newspaper in the fall on Monday mornings mm. and flipping, you know, like ripping out the the sports page and flipping to the box scores and just being like completely enthralled by the statistics. I, I like numbers in general, yeah. but football statistics, um, completely encapsulating me as a, as a, you know, not a, well, you know, I was a child. Yeah. Yeah. So seven, eight, nine, 10 and into my teenage and 20, you know, and so being, getting a job at NFL films and being there uh, for the three years that I was, was, and I had interned there prior to getting the job. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You know? And so before I got the job offer, I kind of thought that the internship was kind of like, me fulfilling my goal of working in yeah. the NFL, but it was, a, I worked for free that summer, you know what I mean? So yeah. the money, you know, this tagline of the money will follow. Well, the money didn't necessarily follow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, um, ask any artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, um, so yeah, so that, yes. Answer, that, that's a long answer to your question of, you know, having, having the opportunity to work with the NFL was, yeah. was literally a dream come true. So, so how does that work, though? So you get to uh, the American dream got fulfilled. You fulfilled it in your life. So very few people actually do. Tom Hanks, maybe, <laughs> seems to be a guy that uh, – But and, and so it wasn't enough? It was enough? What do you do with the rest of your life once that gets fulfilled, especially at an early age, in your 30s? So – I think what what eventually happened, or I don't think I, I lived it, was as much as I loved working for the NFL, and and more so specific. So I worked at the project management side of NFL Films, and my coworkers were absolutely amazing. You know what I mm. mean? Like everything was really cool about that job. The the people I worked with were all. It was more of a little family really, truly in that department. Um, but eventually the job became, um, it, it became a job. It became another job. Mm. And the fact that the, the fact that it was with the NFL, that shininess kind of wore off and, you know, and what I've learned, what I've learned now that I'm, I guess, three and a half years removed from having that job was that I'm, I, it was a project management job and I'm just, mm. I'm not a project manager that, you know what I mean? My, my skill set um, doesn't, I'm good at it and I'm competent. I was competent at it. Yeah. But as far as it, like waking up each morning and being fired up about being a project manager wasn't, wasn't the case. And so, you know, it, it just eventually became uh, just another job, which was really, and it, it took several months after having that realization to be like, okay, you might have to step away from your dream job mm. with these people you enjoy working with um, that have become friends or, or close or become family or close friends that you work with yeah. and see sort of what, you know, for lack, not to sound too cheesy, but to see what God has for me next. And so was it a, an abrupt end for you where there was a, a zone where there was, a wilderness zone, if you will, where you just didn't know, you're kind of drifting, if you will, you so, know, what, where the signal and the noise was. And yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it was an abrupt end. I don't, I don't think that that's quite the way I, I'd come probably February, March timeframe. So this would have been 2017. Uh, I was like, okay, well, and one of the other things, this is going to sound so silly, but it's really true. One of the other things that weighed on me was the Philadelphia winners. Mm -hmm. I, the, it, was, it was just more than I was willing to, to endure long term. Yeah. You know, that was one of the deciding factors. And not and just, the reason. Not just because there's Eagles fans there. <laughs> 
<laughs> Did they chase you away? <laughs> well, the crazy, so a little bit of a football aside, I'm a Giants fan. For you that don't maybe know football, great. Giants fans and Eagle fans are big, big time rivals. <laughs> but throughout my life, I've had way more Eagles fans in my life as friends, as dear friends, like close, close friends, ah. than I have Giants fans. It's, it's the <laughs> oddest thing. So, um, so no, it wasn't the Eagles fan. It was definitely the winters of uh, of Philadelphia that, that it just weighed on. I mean, we even talked about it yesterday. Yeah, it was a cloudy great. day yesterday, cloudy, gloomy day, and you know those days would last several several yeah. weeks in a row in Philadelphia. Um, so anyway, so February March time frame, it was like because I love the the spring through the fall in Philadelphia is just is a really beautiful place to be. Mm. Um, it's it's a wonderful wonderful city for me spring to fall it's it's oh, a great okay. place to be so it was like okay i'm going to do another spring through fall mm. um and i'll probably leave sometime in november so that was what 6 or 7 months out yeah so my brain had already kind of been thinking of like okay what what will be the next the next thing so kind of embracing that um wilderness call like you were saying and and um and traveling was sort of the the thing that bubbled to the surface um after after i would leave and um and then we talked how we talked about earlier the timeline sort of getting sped up um, yeah and, and, and the part of the traveling to go back to the question was to spend time in that wilderness of like, okay, what am I called to do? Yeah. If not, you know, I, I I just landed the dream job, NFL films. I'm not called to be a project manager, you know, and that in the Navy I was an electrician. I'm not called mm-hmm. to do that. My my training in university was in accounting. That's not my calling in life. And and then this third thing of being a project manager. And it's like, okay, I need to, I need to figure out. Um, where, where am I called? Yeah. And that was the travel. I, I ended up spending three and a half months in Europe and that was the bulk of it, of the things I was praying and meditating on was what is mine to do? Wow. And so then you ended up here for a couple of years, for the last couple of years, which is kind of rare for you. Well, this is, well, it's funny because this is right about, I've been here two and a half years. Is that right? Yeah. So the summertime, this coming summer will be three years. Three years. Okay. And that's typically my, like the jumping off point. Ah, okay. It's usually, it seems to be, I was in the Navy for six years, but Mm -hmm. I moved around quite a bit. And the longest I spent I spent three years in Norfolk, Virginia. University, spent four years in Phoenix. Mm. Came back to this area for a couple of years. Spent three years in Philly. And now I've been back here. So I guess I've been back here technically over three years from the time I got back from Europe. And two and a half of those three years have been here at Desert Rain. And during those stints, uh, do you find yourself planning for the next one while you're in that one? Or do you enter into it pretty fully and then it, the opportunities just kind of show up? So I think, I think my MO is sort of to really embrace it while I'm there. But then kind of what, what I had mentioned earlier, when it's like when I get that antsy feeling of like oh it's time to go mm. sort of hastily taking on that next i see the next opportunity and so this so this we've kind of come full circle and so when you asked me earlier about uh i don't remember the exact wording but if i'm thinking about what's next yeah yeah so i am but in the sense of like long term like I don't feel that same or that's not true. I do feel that same antsiness, but instead of being like, oh yeah, that I need to listen to this, it's like, no, 
there's there's no need to make a hasty decision. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, I love living out here in desert rain. Um, professionally, I'm enjoying what I've been learning as far as um, the coding and that stuff. Um, financially, I got rid of all my debt over the last 18 months. Um, and it's like, much, I'm much more focused on being intentional with what's next. Mm-hmm. So if that means a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, um, I'm okay with that. Like if I woke up 10 years from now, I know we joke about you, you've told me like, oh, you need to get out of here. Otherwise you're going to be stuck here forever. You know, and, and we joke about that, but truly if I were to wake, you know, if I wake up tomorrow and it's 10 years down the line and I'm still living at desert rain at this moment, I, I feel that doesn't terrify me. So there's a contentedness that's yeah, that calm, be, if you will. Yeah. Um, and if that were to change for some reason, and I really felt called to, yeah. because there is a, a travel type, uh, roving monk type aspect sure, yeah. of my life. You know, I, I enjoy traveling. I enjoy moving about the, the world. Um, But there's much more contentedness in my in my just my bones right now. Hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if <laughs> we were recording. So I don't know if I'm articulating it well. I guess. <laughs> and so uh, we've talked before in the past, and and you were kind of seemed like you were trying to define define your what were you what what face of god am i seeking so to speak Mm. and i think you determined it wasn't really the buddhist way and it wasn't even though you had done several uh silent retreats Mm -hmm. in the buddhist style and Mm -hmm. but you seemed uh not fixated but drawn i guess mysteriously drawn to the figure of jesus christ Mm -hmm. and uh why, why, why would you suppose that is? Man, I ask myself that question every day. Mm. <laughs> I don't, I, it's really, truly the, mis, the mysterious aspect of it. You know, I, the longer I delve into this idea around the gospels, uh, this idea around Christ, um, this idea, like, you know, we're sitting in this room and there's, you know, there's uh, the cru- crucifixion. <laughs> I fucked it up again. <laughs> uh, the crucifixion. Uh, there's just this mysterious part in my heart that just really, really feels drawn to it. Mm. You know, and and it's I don't feel drawn to the organized church. You and I've talked about that multiple times. <laughs> But really this uh, uh, mysterious, uh, spiritual, even though that word gets kicked around in a silly way in in modern times, uh, just really feel drawn to it and, uh, and feel a little bit more drawn to it every day, mm-hmm. you know, and... and and, you know, like you said, I've explored Buddhism, New Age Church, uh, you know, all, all sorts of denominations of Christianity. Um, mm. And it just, I don't know, there's something about it. So you were exploring even the possibility of seminary and that kind of thing. A couple different times, yeah. Yeah, yeah back in... Um, I don't know, 2013-ish time frame. That was a a real possibility. And then, uh, I mean, during part of my discernment period and and when I was in Europe and then afterwards, uh, so that would have been the end of 2017, the beginning of 2018. Um, Yeah, both of those times I was seriously looking into it in a real, real meaningful way for sure. And so this figure of 
the risen Christ, you know, uh, Flannery O'Connor described him as this shadow that flits from tree branch to tree branch in the subconscious of my mind kind of thing. Interesting, yeah. And so can you describe an encounter that you've had with this risen Christ? You know, either directly or indirectly, not necessarily talking about a, a miraculous, right. uh, biblical level. Burning bush, yeah, little burning but, bush type. So, <clears throat> yeah, and so I'm, I can't remember if I've told, have I told the Jean Vanier story on the podcast? I don't think so. I don't think so. I can't, I'm, if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. Um, but this answers the question probably to the best of my ability. Um, so when I was in school, my final semester, I took a, it was called world religions within the context of the United States. And so it sort of explored all these different religions. Um, and when we came across, uh, I don't remember if the, if Catholicism had its own section or if it was just the Christianity umbrella for that, that section, but we had to listen to, a an on being podcast, shout out to Krista Tippett, (laughs) (laughs) where she interviews this gentleman named uh, Jean Vanier. He was, uh, he had started a a community for um, adults uh, with mental uh, disabilities, mental challenges. And they, he had started it in, in France, just outside of Paris. But today, I don't know, 40 or 50 years later, they're all over the United States. Or excuse me, excuse me, all over the world. Right, yeah. They're all over the world. Um, And one of the things he talked about was this idea. He was talking about lowercase, the word Catholic, but the lowercase Hmm. meaning, which uh, means universal or all-encompassing. And so this man who was deeply Catholic, a capital C Catholic, was talking about these spiritual ideas and spiritual terms that I had come to know and embody. Um, and just for the context of the story, I'd grown up Catholic and had had found all the hypocrisy and, and reasons not to be Catholic. You know, I found yeah. all the negatives in it and hadn't bothered to look at any of the positives. And this gentleman, uh, this interview between Krista Tippett and Jean Vanier just made me totally re-question like, okay, so maybe there is something there to be explored. Mm. And so this would have been 2011, 2012 timeframe. So fast forward. And so that sort of was the first domino to tip in this idea of like searching for the risen Christ, right? So fast forward to my time in Europe. So this would have been about five to six years later. And one of the places I went to uh, is a intentional community called Tize. Mm. And the reason I ended up going to Tize is because you had brought it. When I told you I was going on this trip, you kind of matter of factly said, oh, so you're going to go to Tize. Yeah, I just figured it was part of that <laughs> right. Camino del Real thing. <laughs> and... I had that place had just completely slipped my mind Mm. and through a bunch of different, whether you want to call them coincidences or, you know, the divine guidedness of the universe or whatever, uh, I ended up at Tizay and the week I happened to be there, uh, Jean Vanier was a guest speaker at this place. Mm. Um, and as I was going, he, sp- he spoke, an, I don't know how many times, four or five times probably during the week. And I was going to hear him speak for the first time. And I come around the corner of like where the dorms are and he's walking. It's just him and this woman that uh, was helping him walk. He, he was very elderly at that point. I want to say late 80s. And I see, I saw him and he was probably... 25 yards away, 50 yards away. So it was, you know, and part of me was like, oh my God, like that's the guy I heard. And the whole reason, you know, one of the huge reasons I was there is because of that interview. 
you know, and because of the things I started pursuing people, I started meeting, you know, including yourself because of this, uh, new, uh, open-mindedness or respect for Christianity that I, I had been closed off to up until that point. And so part of me is like, ah, just leave the guy alone. Like he's probably, you know, he's probably thinking about yeah. his talk and I don't want to be a fanboy or whatever. And then there was, you know, the second voice is like, no, you wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for that guy. So you got to just go shake his hand and thank him. And, you know, there's the, the old adage to, to not meet your heroes because, because you'll be disappointed. Yeah. And uh, this was quite the opposite experience. I went up, <clears throat> shook this man's hand and the, uh, the happiness or the joy that was in that man's life uh, just sort of radiated out, you know, and I, I walked up to him and so you might not remember this, but you had a interview with Krista Tippett several years ago. And uh, I just wanted to thank you for that. Mm. And, and he recalled the interview and he was, you know, he made some, he said some things about it, you know, and, and, uh, like I said, he was elderly and he, he, <clears throat> he grabbed my arm to help him. He was needing help walking and he grabbed my arm. And, and so to sort of steady himself, but he, he braced himself on me and we just walked together for the next, I don't, I don't even know how long. Wow. Um, and it's something like that, that. I could have never planned, right? Like I could have never, I had no idea he was going to be there that particular week until I was there. I just happened to see his yeah. name on the schedule after I'd gotten there. Um, I almost didn't go there except for a conversation you and I had had. So it seemed almost yeah, and then, accidental. Yeah, and it all starts with, with the original interview I had heard with him. That's pretty profound. Yeah. And, and it seems like a difference. It seems like a shift, you know. Uh, there's the identify your passion, then follow that passion with a set of goals and go make it happen and the money will follow and you'll have a happy life. That's the one model. And then the other model seems to be uh, follow the mystery, follow the questions and, uh, and a series of happy, blessed accidents will occur <laughs> And you'll stumble your way through a meaningful life. And not to say that the two are opposed to one another, but uh, they, you know, it's definitely two different models, it seems, yeah. of, of discerning your life and, and, uh, and following this mysterious risen man from Nazareth. <laughs> well, for me, <clears throat> overall, the, the second model you know, sort of happily stumbling my way through these divine questions and beautiful encounters and interactions. There's far more peace really, to that than having to try to create a plan and execute the plan, yeah. network with the right people and say the right things at the right times. Well, that's a good point. Because um, I'm pretty good at saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Or, the, yeah, the wrong thing at the exact wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> but would that make it right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's maybe how that's. I stumbled my way into the fucking the internship or whatever. You know what I mean? But uh, there's far less anxiety in the second model that you just described, at least, you know, at least for me in, in the uh, whatever the last four years or how long it's been. Yeah, I guess the one model is, uh, I guess there's a demand for outcomes, very specified uh, d uh, outcomes, and it's pass or fail, or, or gradients of some sort. And then I guess it also makes you see people as, not people, but as utilitarian mm. stepping stones to your goals. Uh, whereas the other one is people are people on their own terms and you have an empty tablet, if you will, to see what they would teach you in that moment. Uh, 
what what story, what uh, whisper of the the risen Christ will they give you, uh, rather than just having a utilitarian. Right. And then there's no pass or fail either. It's in fact, well, if anything, it's all fail. I was going to say, <laughs> but you're okay with that fail. That's it's a happy failure, if you will. Uh, well, I just I think about my time here and and trying to explain to people. Well, first of all, most people don't know where Chaparral, New Mexico is in general, but the few that do, yeah. uh, it's kind of looked down upon. It's probably a nice way to say yeah. it. It's it's Galilee. <laughs> it's Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Actually, no. <laughs> and just sort of the blinking, those first two kind of blinks as they process when you tell them yeah. you're living in Chaparral, New Mexico and, and – uh, you know, as far as societal wise, it's not it's not a yeah. glamorous place to live. <laughs> yeah, a group of people asked me, and they and they struck me as being fairly affluent people, educated. And they asked uh, me on a Zoom call if if we're still meeting and doing those kinds of things during COVID. And I just told them, no, we're absolutely non essential <laughs> services. <laughs> Our religion is non essential. Anything I have to say is non-essential, and we live in a non-essential place that no one will ever recognize <laughs> unless there's a drug bust. And uh, so they, yeah, they gave me that look that I usually get. <laughs> the shock. Okay. Who let this guy in? <laughs> who, who invited this guy yeah. again? <laughs> so. Well, uh so often when you're discerning what's next in my life, you have to look at the ground that you're standing upon first right. and you and you push off from that ground. And so it's a simultaneous pushing off from where you've been to where you are going. Uh, and it's kind of connected to your first breath, you know. Uh, mm. Your first breath is, you know, when you came out of the womb, is a, when, when they cut the umbilical cord, your first breath was was not... It was life giving. It was absolutely life giving, right. and life uh, and and it demanded. You know, mm -hmm. it was a demanding survival breath, uh, but it pushed you to the next step. That breath, mm -hmm. but it's also not a happy breath. You know, it's a yeah. cry. It's a, say it's, it's, it's a yeah. It's a mourning, if you will, of something has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> Put me back yeah. in the warm place. Yeah, from the babies, from your <laughs> infant. Standpoint, something terribly has gone wrong. Traumatic. Because you were in your apartment, you had a, a water bed, uh, you nice had free cable, uh, the food was delivered to you, and then all of a sudden you get evicted, and it's all you're a cut off, you know, and 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 so so breathing is has a double meaning in that sense. So 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 let's ask that question: the ground that you stand on now, and it's usually. That ground is usually uh, what do you need to part with? Usually around those kinds of things in your life. What do you need to part with in order to take this next step forward? Or what are you mourning the loss of? Or another way to ask it is uh, where are you most vulnerable? Or when was the last time you were you found yourself to be truly vulnerable? Uh, Meister Eckhart says, uh, the eye with which you seek God is the same eye with which God seeks you. And that eye is usually in the place of your vulnerability. Uh, or maybe just a very specific way to ask it was, when was the last time you cried? <laughs> well, besides 10 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, when was the last time I cried? That's a good... I can't remember if it was... Uh... It was either in November or December. I remember feeling very anxious and very sad about nothing, really. Mm. There was nothing real. Like, I could logically look around my life, and it was it was pretty wonderful. Mm. You know, as, as hard as 2020 has been for most people, and granted, we're in 2021 now and hasn't really let up yet. Yeah. Um, And I just sat on the edge of my bed and cried for maybe five or ten minutes. And when I was done, it felt it felt very. There was a very beautiful. Um, it was just one of those feelings of like, oh, I needed to do that. Mm. 
Um, but vulnerable wise, I can't tell you what brought me to those tears. Well, actually, so I was having those feelings of anxiety and sadness. And there was part of me is like, no, just like, keep your chin up, be tough. Nothing's wrong. And then the second thought was like, no, there's obviously something wrong. Mm. You don't have to put a name or a word to it. Uh, just allow yourself to feel. And sort of as I was, you know, it wasn't instantaneous, but it was within a few minutes. I was like, okay, you know, I went back to my room and just just cried. And um, there was there was something really relieving of embracing that sadness. Mm. And the sadness still kind of stuck with me for a day or two but in a much different way it wasn't it didn't feel like it was uh suffocating me yeah it was more of like okay i feel sad and that's okay and just sort of embracing that that feeling instead of trying to run from it Hmm. and so there's no sense of loss or sense of grieving sense of parting ways a sense of uh uh regret from the past or something like that maybe not attached to that instance but right there's definitely no regret that that's one thing i feel really grateful for is all the things like we've kind of covered i've my life definitely professionally has bounced all over the the map literally and figuratively Mm -hmm. um and i really am grateful for all that stuff because it's i wouldn't be here sitting in front of you having this conversation if it hadn't been for all those things um i think i think there's maybe like a um a sadness in the sense of sitting back our country has become very divided. If you haven't noticed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, sitting back and just feeling uh, sadness for both sides of the aisle. Because there's obviously a lot of hurt people. Yeah. There's a lot of angry people. And the thing that they're called to do it seems the thing that they're called to do is lash out at each other. Yeah. And that healer part of me, the part of me that knows about unity, real unity, not just, you know, putting words to it is tough. um, And lashing out at each other isn't going to bring us to that moment. And just being trying to think of, creative ways to engage uh, everybody Mm -hmm. knowing that you're not going to reach everybody. That's impossible. Right. right? But just being like, Hey, we're all, and it's not even just within the country, right? It's, it's sort of this global idea of like, we're all on this rock together flying through space at whatever ridiculous speed. Um, And how do we just uh, help, raise each other up, you know, help give, give an extra hand to those brothers and sisters that might need it. Um, knowing pretty well that a year from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, I'm going to be the one needing that hand to help, help me get out of whatever situation I'm in. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, uh, I mean, it just comes back to this idea of community that we sort of started the conversation with that we're a global community uh, and I can only help those in my immediate circle or, you know, even even just, you know, making eye contact with the the Starbucks barista at the drive-thru and let them know, hey, I see you, even though we both have these masks on, uh, I still know you're a human being. Um, yeah, I don't even know what the original question was. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the last time you. Or I don't remember. Oh, the, the what am I grieving? Yeah, that's what. It would be, so, yeah. so just seeing seeing all the anger and vitriol yeah. and hurtfulness, uh, whether it's on TV or the internet, yeah, yeah. you know, and and just being for myself, remembering that no, we're just people. 
needing to be loved yeah and trying to to formulate a, a creative way to uh, pass that message on to anyone I might encounter yeah and that definitely ties into and because uh, I think we're we coming up near the end yeah. here uh, to one of the questions you've asked is you know what would you say are my giftings and uh, and it ties into the question we were asking on our uh, Sunday call, uh, which everyone's invited by, out there, by the way, just check our website. Yeah. If you want to join in on that conversation, our Zoomunion. It's 11, uh, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Yeah. You can get more ways to connect on theruin.com. <laughs> Shameless plug. And, and it was a David White-inspired question, which was, uh, do I have the – am I brave enough to ask uh, – someone in my life in such a way that makes them brave enough to say what it is I need to do next. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, so, and you were asking a similar question, which was, you know, what are, what would you say, what would you identify my, uh, ways to serve? Uh, and, and it's definitely, it's uh, that you want to be an accessible person uh, and which is the divine gift of hospitality mm-hmm. to the world uh, I kind of picture uh, the icon of the Trinity sitting at the table, Rublev's icon, and then uh, Abraham and, and Sarah being invited to sit at that table. And it's Abraham and Sarah doing the hospitality, but in, in the icon, though, it's in their act of hospitality, uh, you know, uh, fixing the meal. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the Trinity is 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 acting on an eternal hospitality by inviting them to that table. And mm-hmm. so the service meets the service and the hospitality in them uh, meets the eternal hospitality or the, or as the psalm say, the uh, deep cries unto deep, that kind of thing. And so I think you carry that in a very natural way, your personality. I've been with you in uh, public situations. Uh, you're very comfortable with in your skin. And so people somehow pick up on that and they feel safe and they want to talk to you. Um, so I guess the next question f- for that would be, in what ways could I be more intentional mm. about that? Um, especially with the restrictions of COVID today and uh, how, could I, how could I intentionally allow that to be expanded in my soul, expanded in practical ways uh, you know, and 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 so then do the work of mm-hmm. what would need to be changed, what would need to be let go of, what would be need need to be picked up in order to expand that sense of hospitality. I, I, for lack of a better word, right. you're just a very accessible person. Though I've seen your work with AA, uh, you you honestly don't mind someone calling you at three in the morning. Right. Uh, I, on the other hand, received a call at three in the morning when I was 22 <laughs> years old to tell me that my brother was dead. Oh. And so I'm not going to res- be receiving any right. calls at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I, I've made it clear to people, I can't be accessible to you that way. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Go find Dorian. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's Dorian's uh, number. And so, you know, and so, so I guess the next question would be, how could that be more, even more surrendered, if you will, to use right, Christian language, that. be more intentional about it. Embrace it. Yeah. Um, and then I, and I would think that the, something like that, uh, the, uh, the, the obstacle to it would be, uh, would be the other side of the coin, which I think is with you, and, and I'm not saying it is. I'm just right, I'm right. suggesting it. Right, right. Is you uh, you have a reservoir within you? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a, a dam, if you will, with gates. Okay. Flood control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that can adjust the, and and you're very. You seem to be very terrified of the power of that river of of sensitivity, compassion, getting emotional mm-hmm. with another uh, because the need is so. It's a, it's a river. <laughs> It's a, it's, it's a, uh, you see it in the world. Uh, 
And so there, there's a holding back, I would, I would think, if I let these floodgates back just ever so much, the, the flood may, uh, the river may completely overwhelm it and I'll be, and then I'll be completely washed away in it. Uh, and so, so maybe explore, uh, uh, how do, how do those open a little bit more mm. while, while remaining still safe and, or maybe, uh, moving through the fear of, of losing control. Uh, emotionally, so to speak. Um, so you're saying that that's, if I'm hearing you correctly, well, two things, that that's a blind spot that you seem to see within me. I, I think that's like a, a general blind spot that comes with compassion. Okay, People that have compassion, the blind spot easier, is either they throw themselves completely into the river itself right. of need, the river of need, and they completely lose themselves and end up washed upstream, bitter, angry, and beat up. Uh, and I think I've I've toyed with that, being too you know being too, trying to give way more than I I can. Mm. Yeah. So it's that it's that, or you hold back so that right you know so that I can I don't have to be too vulnerable or uh, I can still have my own a very strong sense of my self sovereignty I guess or. And that's probably where I've been at. Guarded, guarded, I guess is the word. Externally, uh, more armored up than you'd need to be, maybe. Especially because when I hear the word guarded, it makes me feel defensive. Like, I'm not not guarded. (laughs) It's like, well, if that's your first reaction to to it, it's like, yeah, yeah, maybe you are a little bit guarded. (laughs) Whereas mine's the opposite. You say you're very guarded. I'm like, really? How could you tell? Was it the uh, uh, the foam uh, pool noodles that I wear on my arms? Was it the was it the T-shirt that says "Stay uh, more than six feet away"? Was the it? taser that you have in your pocket, but you do have enough sticking out so yeah. people know it's a taser. <laughs> oh man, uh, thank you for this. Yeah, thank you for good conversation. Uh, yeah, for uh, to going down this, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. I know this is a little bit different uh, rendition of Desert Rain Community Radio than we we typically do, but um, that's that was one of my goals when we started this was just to offer an authentic conversation yeah. um, between David and I, and, and and ideally once once the the COVID stuff has has shifted and changed, um, having conver- conversations with others. Um, that's that's the long term goal of of our our endeavor for today. So, uh, yeah, the ruin.com, uh, monk drums.com. Those are the, the drums you hear at the beginning and the end of the show. Um, drcrpod.com, uh, will direct you to other episodes of this and you can find us on uh, all the, all the different apps you can find other podcasts on. So, uh, thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank uh, you. David. Appreciate you and uh, look look to look forward to continuing our uh, spiritual friendship. Thank you everybody for listening. <laughs>